0: Mistletoe is a truly weird plant. It's not a tree, it's not a shrub, it's essentially a parasite. So why on earth do we kiss under it at Christmas? And what links does it have to Norse mythology? Find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author, and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Hi, and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. I hope that you're having a nice time in this approach to Christmas, and that you're not completely fed up with the whole thing like certain other parties might be although I think to be honest with you it's just the Christmas songs I'm sick of you hear the same ones every year and they don't get any better but anyway I hope you're having a nice time the day that this episode goes live I'm actually going to be in London at the Tutankhamun exhibition and I know I don't necessarily sound that excited but I really really am and if you want any Egyptian mythology on the podcast because I realise I've done I've done a bit of Roman mythology on the blog done a bit of Greek mythology on the podcast but we've never really covered Egyptian mythology which is weird because it's my favourite of all of them so if you would like any Egyptian stuff please send me an email at icy at com or tweet me or what, whichever way you feel you'd rather get in touch with me and let me know and I'd be more than happy to do one but anyway it is our Christmas episode it's our final proper Christmas episode there will be other related stuff in the next couple of weeks but this is our Christmas season and we are looking at mistletoe and as I said in the intro it is a really weird plant because it doesn't grow in the soil and it's also not a tree and it is basically parasitic. So you might be wondering how on earth does it actually come to grow in the first place? Now, according to Philip and Stephanie Cargom, mistletoe actually has really sticky berries and birds like the thrush and the blackcap like eating it. Now, the thrush eats the seeds and then deposits them. You can probably guess how it does that after it's passed through the digestive tract. Whereas the blackcap wipes their beaks on tree bark to get rid of the goo. So both of them basically deposit the seeds On trees and then that's where they then take hold on a new host it does quite commonly grow on apple sycamore ash lime poplar field maple and hawthorn it is a little bit more rare on oak trees but it does sometimes happen incidentally and this absolutely Oh, it was so funny when I read this, but the plant's scientific name is viscum album, which literally translates as white goo, which I think is absolutely marvellous. So you do have to wonder, how did a parasitic poisonous plant come to be linked with Christmas? Well, that's what we're going to have a look at in this week's episode. Now, as with most things related to plants and folklore, it comes back to the Druids, which is hilarious because very little of it actually got written down and most of what we do have came from the Romans and obviously they conquered the Druids, therefore you have to wonder how much of it is true. But nonetheless, this is what we have and in their worldview, mistletoe represented fertility, much like the holly that we looked at last week. And to be fair, it's understandable because it's an evergreen plant, so obviously dormant trees in the winter, any mistletoe sticking to them, is going to stand out. And the Druids actually apparently believed that the pearly pulp of the berry, so the sticky substance I mentioned earlier, was the semen of the oak king, and we met him last week as well. Obviously not in that particular context, because that would be really bizarre in a podcast episode, but I digress. The car goms in their Druid plant oracle, which if you're into oracle cards, is fantastic. They describe the Druid ceremony of Alban Arthur at the winter solstice, otherwise known as Yule. And all lights are extinguished, which represents the longest night of the year. And then they light a single candle, and everybody present lights their candle from it to represent the returning sun. Because that's kind of the whole point of that particular time of year. And the mistleberries symbolise this particular moment, and that's why mistletoe is then distributed to all. We can obviously go back to Pliny, because again, he does like to pop up when we're talking about all things folklore. And he claims that the druids actually harvested mistletoe with a golden sickle and they caught it in a cloak because it lost its magic powers if it touched the ground. It is, however, entirely possible that this is complete gut rot, because Pliny did have a tendency towards the outlandish, but by the 18th century, the antiquarian William Stukeley brought this idea into the public imagination because he was basically on a campaign to revive interest in druidic traditions. I should point out, as I said before, mistletoe does occasionally grow on oaks. It is actually... Far more rarely found there. Obviously, it's more likely to be found on the apple tree and so on. But ancient druids did view mistletoe as sacred if it grew on an oak tree. Felling an oak that played host to the parasitic plant actually invited disaster. And Margaret Baker, in her fabulous book on the folklore of plants, actually recounts the story of the Hay family in Perthshire. And they had an oak on the land that played host to mistletoe, and the family prospered for generations. And according to local legends, the oak tree actually protected the family from witchcraft. And it also stopped fairies from replacing the children with changelings. But, you know, all good luck runs out and eventually the estate passed out of the family, which wouldn't really be that unusual, but the locals did note that the oak tree had been felled shortly before. Now, as I say, mistletoe does have links with fertility, and Baker actually suggests that kissing under the mistletoe itself was a fertility rite. And in some countries, the sprigs had to then be burned by Twelfth Night, otherwise the people who had kissed under it would never marry. Mistletoe in Italy was considered so potent that women actually carried sprigs of it to aid conception. And Trevor Dines relates an old fertility rite involving mistletoe and hawthorn, and farmers would make bunches out of the two plants and then set fire to them. And then they would go to the first sown field and they would carry the burning bundle over the first 12 ridges of this field, and this would ensure the fertility of the crops in the coming year. However, bad luck would follow if the fire went out before the farmer could finish the rite. And I should point out as well that the plan also pops up in Greek legend after Aeneas plucks the golden bough and having done so he can then journey to the land of the dead to speak to his dead father. And according to mistletoe.org.uk many scholars actually think that the golden bough refers to the mistletoe since European mistletoe looks gold during the winter. But obviously the kissing thing, it's basically what mistletoe is best known for. And some people think that it comes from Norse mythology. So that's what we're going to have a quick look at now. And in Norse mythology, the goddess Frigg, where we basically get Friday from, made all things swear an oath to never harm Balder, the god of light. And he's basically quite a favourite in Norse mythology. But the problem was Frigg only extracted the oath from anything on or under the earth and the eternal trickster, that is Loki, realised that she'd missed a mistletoe because technically it grows above the earth. So Loki being Loki, he made a dart from its wood and then tricked Balder's blind brother Hod into throwing it because that's what Loki does and the dart killed Balder. Incidentally, this is the incident where he was the 13th person to arrive at the feast and obviously we looked at 13 and all its superstitions a few episodes ago if you want to go back and revisit that. But anyway... According to Margaret Baker, Robert Graves actually made his own mistletoe dart to see if you could actually kill somebody with a mistletoe dart, and apparently it was. Who he killed with it, I don't know, or whether he just simply hit someone with it, I don't know. But anyway, in one version of the story, Frigg then cried over the dart lodged in her dead son, and the tears turned into the white berries, and Frigg used them to bring Balder back to life. And in return for the miracle, she actually promised anyone a kiss who passed under the mistletoe. And there are obviously other variations of the story which end very differently. And in many of them, Balder ends up in Niflheim, the kingdom of the dead. So it's quite difficult to tell if the kissing tradition actually begins with this story or not. Or if it's just the fact that it's a mistletoe dart is where people think the link comes from. But when did mistletoe actually end up as a Christmas decoration? And some people think it goes back to Saturnalia, although that was a little bit more difficult to find a link for. Whereas in Scandinavia, the plant represented peace. And if you wanted to declare a truce, you kissed under the mistletoe. And obviously, what better time to declare a truce than at Christmas? In in the medieval era, families actually hung mistletoe in the house during December to ward off evil. And then they burnt it after Christmas, presumably to get rid of any evil it had collected during the month. Mistletoe really starts making an appearance in the home in the 18th and 19th centuries in Britain and even Charles Dickens described scenes of festive kissing in the Pickwick Papers of 1836. And there's a lovely image by Dante Gabrielle Rossetti called Hanging the Mistletoe, which you can see on my blog post for this episode, which is www.icysedgwick.com forward slash mistletoe hyphen and hyphen Christmas. The link is in the show notes. Anyway, in Victorian England, if a girl refused to grant a kiss under the mistletoe, it meant that she would never receive a marriage proposal the following year and i should point out that the white goddess website note that church decorations actually excluded mistletoe which is a ban which often continues today and that website theorizes that the unpopularity with the church actually comes from the plant's connection with the druids but as i say because we don't know how much of it just simply came from williams tukley how much came from pliny we don't know how much is actually true now mistletoe does appear within folklore in a fairly wide range of guises and in some cases it opens all locks which, I mean, just use Alohomora if you're a Harry Potter fan. And Mistletoe also protects the home from fire and lightning during festivals held on the solstices. I couldn't really find any details as to how that worked. So I think just simply, you know, having a smoke detector might also help. In the Ozarks, farmers hung mistletoe in their smokehouses to stop witches from stealing the meat, and the local folk also used the leaves and the berries in top-secret love potions. I should point out that while the leaves can be used in medicine, the berries are highly toxic, so I would just advise not ingesting any part of it. Evan Andrews notes that ancient societies used to use mistletoe to heal everything from menstrual cramps to spleen disorders, and in folk medicine the plant sometimes went by the name All Heal, and people believe that it defeated poisons, protected against witchcraft and cured illness. But like I say, cannot stress enough, poisonous. So, you know, you've been warned. Folk in Normandy used to use mistletoe to get rid of fleas in their bedding and if you hung it above a cradle the plant would stop fairies from stealing a baby. Considering that there have been tales of people hanging scissors over a cradle to stop fairies from stealing a baby because fairies can't stand anything made of iron I kind of can't help feeling that hanging mistletoe above the cradle is probably a slightly safer bet. And there's also a tradition that mistletoe was actually the wood used to make the cross and in Brittany people believed that the plant was punished for this so the relatively small tree then became a parasitic plant in retaliation for its part in the crucifixion. Obviously if you listen to last week's episode you'll know that some people believe that holly was used to make the cross so it's one of those quite difficult things that you're not quite sure which one to believe if any of them were used for this. But whatever its origin, this rather strange little plant has become quite intrinsically linked with Christmas. And my favourite particular use of it is when it pops up in Batman Returns from 1992 and it makes this appearance between Batman and Catwoman's flirtation. So I would say keep your eye out for any mistletoe this year, but do always ask permission before you try to land a kiss. So that is... lot of the reasons why some people think there may be a link between mistletoe and christmas and i think a large part of it is probably down to some kind of popularity with the victorians and because they quite like to hold on to these earlier ideas and so on particularly if someone like william stukeley was coming along with these these links with the druids it's entirely possible that it's because it's passed into popular culture through the likes of the pickwick papers that we still do it now obviously I don't know how often you even see mistletoe hanging up. I've only ever seen the plastic variety myself. So there we go. That is the end of our sort of last Christmas episode. There will be a Christmas episode next week which as far as i'm aware will be this 21st of december which is actually yule itself and that is going to be my ghost story that i'm going to do a narration of from one of my short story collections so you will be getting that completely free that is my christmas present to you to thank you for listening hopefully all year because obviously this thing started in january if you can believe it so you've got that to look forward to anyway so i hope that you have a marvelous week ahead i will no doubt be putting images of the tutankhamun exhibition on instagram so if you want to see those please follow me at ac sedgwick i am also going to an exhibition about troy and like the mythology and everything around that the next day as well. So, again, if you want to see any images from that exhibition, again, follow me at IC Sedgwick. And you can also send me messages via Instagram if you've got any requests for topics. So, as I say, I hope that you have a lovely week ahead and I will speak to you soon. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick, spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!